When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey YA is sponsored by TBR, Bookwright subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. Want great new YA books to read but are overwhelmed by all the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so treat your shelf and support an indie too. TBR is also available as a gift. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith, and we are recording on Friday, August the 523rd, (laughs) 2020. It's actually August 28th, but it sure feels like whatever number I just said. August has been so long. It's true. Especially for you. You've had, what, a... What was that thing that came out? You had a little something going on. Oh, yeah. Just that little book. That little book. Little book. No big deal. Bunch of virtual events. No big deal. <laughs> like, it's been awesome. I've been so pleasantly surprised about the attendance and engagement at these virtual events. Like, I had no idea what to expect. And, I mean, like you, I've done a number of bookstore, like, in-store events. And you kind of get an idea of, like, what audience will look like yeah. or feel like. But virtually, you have no idea. and. I've been so pleasantly surprised and thrilled, and it's been so cool to do a whole bunch of events, including a few with you. Yeah, people like you. They were they were going to show up. Yeah, which is nice, like, because that's not an experience I had in high school <laughs> or middle school, you know? <laughs> How about you? What's going on in your life? Uh, not much. I'm, you know, trying to get some reading done. Um, I started rereading Everything Everything. You know, I love that book so much, but I I get to teach it at in a college this semester, which is absolutely wild. So I uh, I bought the paperback so I could just like mark it up and highlight it, you know, to just all over the place. And it's so fun revisiting that book, like now that like David Yoon has a book out and like remembering that he did the illustrations. It's a uh, it's like a new experience diving into that book again. Um what else is going on? Oh, and I treated myself to a copy of Aaron Hahn's new book, More Than Maybe. Mm. I didn't start it yet, but like I loved You'd Be Mine so much, and I'm just really happy to dig into another novel full of like swoony romance and music. You know, I need my comfort reads. I broke all of that when I read Agnes at the End of the World, and I just I just need to rope myself back in. I haven't really been reading, and... I think you have an excuse, you know? Yeah, I mean, I have a pretty good excuse. It's fine. But I did read... And finished right before all of the release day stuff, Clown in a Cornfield by Adam Cesar. Oh. And 
Basically, if the title turns you off, you're not going to like the book. But <laughs> if the title is intriguing to you like it was to me, this is catnip. Like, it is super tropey and all of its horror stuff. I think a really good pitch for it would be a reverse Children of the Corn. Mm. And it does feature clowns, like a lot of clowns. And it is set in a rural area with cornfields, lots of cornfields. But it's this really fascinating story about a town that... It's sort of falling apart, very one of those Midwestern herding towns that you have in your mind when you think of like towns that are kind of dying. Mm. And it's about the adults who aren't ready to let go of this image of what their town was and about the teens who are like, all right, let's grow up and get out of here and let this thing just disappear. And sort of the tension in generations here and what they see for Kettle Springs and also clowns. Like, did I mention there are a lot of clowns in this? (laughs) I loved it. It was like comfort reading to me, but I'm a weirdo who finds horror like that super comforting in part because you know bad stuff's going to happen and you're like, okay, I'm well aware of what's going to happen. And the title of this particular book tells me exactly what the horror is going to be. So (laughs) That's hilarious. I was going to ask that. I'm like, so is it, is it? About a clown in a cornfield? Like, is that what's happening? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, any reader who, like, whatever your initial thought is with the title, know that that's going to to be what your reaction is to the story. Like, I loved it. I thought it was so much fun. But as I was reading it, I was like, a lot of people are going to hate this because it's, (laughs) it's nightmare fuel for so many. But yeah, super fun. That's, I think, the last book I read. Oh man. Well that sounds awesome. I like books that just tell you what they're about. Just you know, right there right there. Yeah. Right there on the cover. Hot dog girl, you know? Like that's that's it. Maybe we should do an episode of books that tell you what they are. <laughs> like right in the title. That would be funny. Oh boy. So let's hit our first sponsor before we dive into the show. This is a really good show today. Yeah. The first sponsor is Ever After by Livia Viewig. Vivi and Eva are two travelers in a countryside filled with the undead. After a train breaks down, stranding them between safe zones, the young women partner up to stay alive. Vivi is struggling with grief and guilt over the loss of her sister. Eva is hiding the start of a horrifying transformation. Together, they'll face heat, zombie hordes, and their own inner demons searching for signs of life in a land of the dead. This graphic novel addition to an enduring genre is a thoughtful and emotionally driven book, but also full of zombie scares and action. This sounds so much fun. That's Ever After by Olivia Buig. Nice. Apparently really into horror right now. And hey, we're going to talk about that later, <laughs> later in the episode. But that's like, that's definitely a book that doesn't tell you what it's about by the title. Because like Ever After, I'm like, yeah. oh, I remember that, that Drew Barrymore movie, you know, oh, how cute. And then zombies. That's uh, a... <laughs> Zombies, inner demons, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ever after. So sweet. Not at all. (laughs) Do you want to introduce the first topic? Since this is one you um, had mentioned wanting to do, (laughs) and my response was, what does that mean? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So when we were brainstorming our episode before this one, we were talking about, uh, I brought up the idea of talking about books that dig into fandom clashes, um, which is where, you know, sometimes it's some kind of fandom mashing together with romance or, or friendships or family or whatever, whatever it happens to be. And I always feel like these books make for such delightful reading because you have this one character or several characters who are just wildly passionate about this one specific thing. Maybe it's web comics, maybe it's 
Oh, geez, it's almost always webcomics. Comic-Con, <laughs> maybe it's uh, a certain movie, uh, whatever that thing is, and how it you know really affects their life and the, the people around them as a as a result. Uh, and there are lots of great books that, that fiddle around in this space. Um, here, why don't, I, why don't I kick us off and, and name one? Yeah, um, and the one that inspired this was I Kissed Alice by Anna Birch. So this book is in the running to be one of my favorite books of the year. I'm just putting that out there. It's uh, two teens are vying for the same, same scholarship to the same art school and are just at each other's throats. Uh, but then surprise, it turns out they are anonymously working on the same webcomic together and maybe catching feelings. So it's a enemies to lovers rom-com colliding with like webcomics and online fandom. And it just makes for such a swoony story that, you know, it may be hug the book multiple times and uh that'll happen to you too and that's uh i kissed alice by anna birch so when you first mentioned this i was like i don't understand like what you mean <laughs> like in the book level i understood cognitively what you meant but then when i sat down and started poking around a bit to find some titles i was like oh i know exactly yeah. what this is and found a whole bunch but uh not all of these are as fandom driven i think as some might anticipate, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are. So my first pick is Verona Comics by Jennifer Dugan, and I needed to scoop this one yeah. before Eric <laughs> because this is the first one that came to mind with this topic, and it follows a girl named Jubilee whose stepmom owns an indie comic shop, and she works there between her rigorous classes and her cello practice. And then it follows Ridley, who feels like he's this constant disappointment to his parents, who... Um, his parents own the largest comic book shop chain in the country. So even though their parents are at each other's throats, Ridley and Jubilee start to connect after meeting at a comic convention prom. This book features this really incredible mental health storyline, which is worth noting. But in terms of the fandom collision, I love the notion of teens of adults who are owners of rival comic shops <laughs> who end up falling for each other especially over a love of comics and it was so it was such a feel-good book this one is fun and it's funny and I really appreciate just how much meat there was in this book too not that rom-coms don't have it but this particular one really hit some good notes with its mental health exploration and that is Verona Comics by Jennifer Dugan yeah so my next one is Geekarella by Ashley Poston um and I feel like this is here we go this is one of those titles that tells you what the book is about so there's a cosplay ball, there's a ma- major fandom convention, uh, there's a magic pumpkin food truck. So it's just this <laughs> delightful smashing of fandom and fairy tale retellings uh, in this really wonderful YA contemporary novel that just blends it all together so perfectly. Um, it's a story about a fan, uh, a famous star, and a star-crossed romance being threatened by some evil stepsisters. Uh, and there are even a couple more books in this very fun series. Um, I think the series is called Once Upon a Con, which I love, mm. which I love so much, um, with Bookish and the Beast publishing just a few weeks ago, uh, and that is Geekarella by Ashley Poston. My next pick is one I haven't read yet. I have a few more that I have read, but I didn't have any rhyme or reason for putting my list together in any particular order. <laughs> so this one that I haven't read came up a little sooner, but it's Star World by Audrey Colthurst and Paula Gardner, and I'm definitely taken with the description and know that the. Uh, unexpected connection that's referred to in here 
helps the main characters create this whole fantasy world together via text messages called Star World, where they get to escape and make the world that they wish to be a part of. So it's a bit of a twist on the fandom colliding, as this is how the girls form their powerful friendship. They create this fandom themselves, and it's I love that idea. Here's the, the jacket description. Sam Jones and Zoe Miller have one thing in common. They both want to escape from reality. Loner Sam flies under the radar at school and walks on eggshells at home to manage her mom's obsessive compulsive disorder, wondering how she can ever leave to pursue her dream of studying aerospace engineering. Popular people-pleasing Zoe puts up walls so no one can see her true self. The girl who was abandoned as an infant, whose adoptive mother has cancer, and whose disabled brother is being sent away to live in a facility. When an unexpected encounter results in the girls exchanging phone numbers, they forge a connection through text messages that expands into a private universe they call Star World. In Star World, they find hilarious adventures, kindness and understanding, and the magic of being seen for who they really are. But when Sam's feelings for Zoe turn into something more, will the universe that they've built survive the inevitable explosion? Sounds really good. That is Star World by Audrey Colthurst and Paula Garner. All right, let's see. My next one is uh, The Geek's Guide to Unrequited Love by Sarva Natash. And I just love a good unrequited love YA story. Um, it's one of the many reasons I liked Becky Albertalli's Upside of Unrequited so much. All that, like, longing as a teen is pretty rough. Uh, and in the case of Tasha's novel, we meet a teen boy who's smitten with his who's basically been smitten with his best friend all his life uh, and plans to tell her how he finally feels at a comic book convention, as that's the thing that they've bonded over over their entire lives, uh, comics, geek culture, and the like. Um, but maybe once they get to the convention, things start to surface that makes him question everything that's been going on with uh, all these feelings he's been having. And I just love this one so much. Um, Sarvanash writes really, really wonderful, geeky YA rom- romances. And uh, yeah, this is uh, one of my favorites. And that's uh, The Geek's Guide to Unrequited Love. My next pick is a big old throwback, and it's How to Say Goodbye in Robot by Natalie Standiford. And I think about this book a lot, and I don't know if I've ever talked about it in the show. It's over 10 years since I've read it, and I can't be 100% certain on how it holds up, but I think it's likely still a pretty solid read. The story follows a girl named Beatrice who is new to town, and she really expects to make friends with some of the new girls at her school and sort of step into this role of getting to reinvent herself, be the cool girl, but she doesn't. Instead, she finds herself drawn to this boy named Jonah, who he hasn't had a friend since third grade. He's been really sort of the outcast kid, and Beatrice can't stop thinking about him, and soon they develop this really powerful friendship, especially as B begins to learn more about Jonah's family and his family's history. So a lot of this book takes place over a really obscure but awesome fandom, and that's a radio show. It's something both B and Jonah listen to and are able to forge their connection through. It in some ways sounds really old school, but at the time when I read it, it felt really modern mm. and relevant, and I like to think of this book as one of those indie movies that you kind of roll your eyes at the premise about, but then you love because like your heart still has some feeling to it. And I just I think Reading it now and thinking about how podcasts have really taken off since this book, it might even sound more relevant now than it did before. And that's How to Say Goodbye in Robot by Natalie Standiford. 
Such a good title, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, let's see. And my next one is uh, Guy in Real Life by Steve Bresnoff. Uh, I know I've talked about this novel before. Um, and I I don't remember if I did this when we on uh, YA or not, but, like, I felt like this was the book that, like, gave me permission to write about geek stuff in my author life. Like, mm. I don't know if I would have written Don't Read the Comments without this book. Um, so in it, we meet uh, two teenagers who find themselves coming together as the result of a meet-cute bicycle accident <laughs> in, um, oh no, is it in Minneapolis or St. Paul? That's a very important distinction. Oh, I, I'm, I know. People are going to get mad at me. It's in one of the two of them. It's in the in the Twin Cities there. Yes, okay, there I'm, safe. <laughs> I'm safe. I'm uh, safe. <laughs> Uh, so they come together as a result of this meet cute bicycle accident and a love of role-playing games. It's this collision, quite literally, uh, of two people who have nothing in common, uh, but maybe have a lot of common thanks to geek culture. And it's just, ah, uh, it's just so much fun. And that is Guy in Real Life by Steve Bresnoff. My next pick is Eliza and Her Monsters by Francesca Zapaya. And when I read this book, all I thought about was how much it reminded me of my own teen years growing up on the internet. Though my fandom was a lot different, the way the relationships were so important and powerful to me was in no way less than those I had in real life. And here's a fun Kelly fact. My husband and I met in an internet fandom in our youth. So What? Uh, yeah. This book like really like, hit some feels hard. Oh. Yeah. So this is a book about a girl named Eliza who is sort of shy and weird at school. But online, she is known as Lady Constellation, the creator of this wildly popular comic called The Monstrous Sea. She loves her online life way more than her offline life. And then this guy named Wallace transfers to her school, and Wallace happens to be the biggest Monstrous Sea fanfiction writer. As he starts to think that she is just a big fan of the comic, uh, he eventually starts to discover that Maybe there's some holes in Eliza's story about just being a fan of the comic. Eliza's this really incredibly well-developed character who's struggling with anxiety, and it's a very specific kind of anxiety that digs into this duality of having identities which are each part of the whole of you. So you've got your online identity, and then you've got the identity everyone offline knows, and sort of what happens when those two things collide. And I, I really like this book, and encourage anybody who hasn't picked it up yet to to give it a shot that is eliza and her monsters by francesca zapaya all right and then i have a few quick bullet list titles that i've talked about far too many times before <laughs> uh and that is uh the only thing worse than me is you by lily anderson where shakespeare and comics collide uh the improbable theory of anna and zach by brian ketcher which is a Two friends trying to find uh, another's uh, sibling at Comic-Con. Uh, Queens of Geek by Jen Wilde. And uh, also maybe my book. It's okay. It's, it's... <laughs> Eric, what's your book's called? What's your book's called? What is your book called? <laughs> Don't read the comments. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got two more, actually, and I'll, I'll just show yeah. them a little bit faster. The, the first one is I Believe in a Thing Called Love by Maureen Gu. And yes. This is maybe not the kind of fandom colliding you immediately think of but this book knocks it out of the park desi is this very type a list follower and believes to achieve anything you just have to have a plan so 
When she makes a fool in front of herself while flirting with this cute guy, she decides it's time to make a a plan to create true love. And how is she going to do this? She's going to study the K-dramas that her father loves, since those heroines always seem to end up with the perfect person. So she studies these shows and feels armed and ready to make the guy she likes fall deeply for her. And the fandom clash here is with her father, and I absolutely love the way Desi and her dad connect over K-drama in this book. It's sweet, even if it's not necessarily coming from the same place for either of them. Her father loves and has loved K-drama for a long time, whereas Desi takes a shine only when she needs to create a plan, but together they find something huge that they really do have in common as father and daughter. And since this is Maureen Gu, anyone who knows her work, no, this is this is also going to be a very funny book. And that is I Believe in a Thing Called Love by Maureen Gu. And then my next one is one I haven't read, but there are so many great reviews for this queer romance that came out in like 2012 that I wanted to share it. It's called How to Repair a Mechanical Heart by J.C. Lillis. And this is the little blurb. 18-year-old castaway planet fans Brandon and Abel hate bad fan fiction, especially when it pairs their number one TV crushes of all time, dashing space Captain Cadmus and dapper android Sim. As co-runners of the internet's third most popular castaway planet vlog, they love to spar with the Casum fangirls who think Cadmus will melt Sim's mechanical heart by season five of the finale. This summer, Brandon and Abel have a mission. Hit the road in an RV to follow the traveling Castaway Planet convention, interview the actors and showrunner, and uncover proof that a legit Cadsim romance will never, ever happen. A Brandon and Abel romance also not happening. Brandon's sick of his struggle to make gay and Catholic compute, so it's safer to love a TV android. Plus, Abel's got a hot new boyfriend with a phoenix tattoo, and how can Brandon compete with that? When mysterious messages about them start popping up in the fan community, they make a shocking discovery that slowly forces their real feelings to surface. Before they get to the last Castaway Planet convention, Brandon's going to find out the truth. Can a mechanical heart be reprogrammed, or will his first shot at love be a full system failure? That is How to Repair a Mechanical Heart by J.C. Lillis. All right. So let's dive into our second sponsor and the rest of the show. Uh, So our next sponsor is Like Spilled Water by Jenny Liu. 19-year-old Nas always lived in the shadow of her younger brother, Bao Bao, her parents' cherished son. Years later, Nas' parents have left her in the countryside and went to work in the city, bringing Bao Bao along and committing everything to his education. But when he dies suddenly, Nas realizes how little she knew him. Did he really kill himself because of a low score on China's all-important college entrance exam? Na learns that Bao Bao had many secrets and that his death may not be what it seems. And that is Like Spilled Water by Jenny Liu. Eric, let's talk about horror. Let's talk about horror. So I give my always common disclaimer here that horror is not a genre. It's a mood. It can be part of any genre. So you'll see that represented throughout the books that we talk about here and... I encourage those of you who are still calling it a genre to pause and call it a mood because you can have horror romance, you can have horror fantasy, you can have horror contemporary books, and it's just a feeling of disgust or a thrill or a feeling of being scared that comes with a book. And while there are real genres like thriller and mystery, like those can also have the the overlay of horror. So when you think of horror, 
don't let it be so limited. Let it be expansive. And and I think that thinking about it in that way helps a lot of readers who are otherwise like horror is only clowns in a cornfield. It's not. It's it's more than that. Um, <laughs> and and chances are there's some kind of horror that suits your taste in some capacity. So do you want to start? Do you want me to start? I can start because I already talked about this book a little bit. So yeah, go quickly. for it. So obviously the first one is Clown in a Cornfield. Oh, we're going to talk about horror that's out this year. So it'll be newer, newer horror titles. And and the first one is Clown in a Cornfield by Adam Cesar. It came out this week. So it's out. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, if the title makes you cringe, you're not going to like the book. But (laughs) if you are intrigued by the title, you're going to love it. And here's the official, like, what it's about. And it follows a girl named Quinn who, after her mother dies, she and her father pack up their life in Pennsylvania to move to Kettle Springs, Missouri. They're going to start new and fresh. And her dad is a doctor. And so when he comes to this smaller town, they offer him like a place to live. And it's really, it's a great setup for sort of starting anew. The problem is that ever since Kettle Springs' major industry and employer went out of business, the city has cracked in half. Adults are eager to make Kettle Springs great again. And the younger generation wants to have fun, to live their lives here while they have to, and then get out of town. So when Frendo, the clown who's been the mascot of the once-thriving, now-gone business, goes homicidal, no one is prepared. I love that the clown's name is Frendo. I still think this is the funniest thing ever. I laugh about it every time I think about Frendo. Um, This is a super tropey YA horror read, and like I said, reverse children of the corn, and it features killer clowns in a cornfield, but it's not necessarily what you might anticipate. And that is Clown in a Cornfield by Adam Cesar. All right. Uh, so my next one uh, is, is is two sort of paired together, and that's the the Riverdale horror novels. Um, this year we got uh, we got two of them, and while like sure they aren't like jump scare scary, they're creepy and eerie in the same way that Riverdale's show certainly can be. Uh, we've got A Werewolf in Riverdale by Caleb Rowig, a Hey YA favorite, uh, an interview with the Vixen by Rebecca Barrow. Uh, so Caleb's takes on you guessed it werewolves. Uh, Rebecca's is about vampires. In one, Jughead is a werewolf. In the other, Veronica is a vampire. So can the gang save their friends before it's too late? Uh, and if these sound kind of unusual, you should totally check out the sort of wild Riverdale uh, sort of Archie comics that happen. I mean, like, there are lots of these, like, zombies in Riverdale comics. And, like, there's that one where they, like, go and they hang out with Kiss. Like, they they do some... You know, wild and wacky things. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited about these particular books. I know the interview with the Vixen book just came out. It came out this summer, I think, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so those are the Riverhead, Riverdale horror novels, and I hope they make some more. My next pick is Wayward Witch by Zoraida Cordova. And I read the first book, Labyrinth Lost, a couple years ago and was so excited to nominate it for the Summer Scares program this year. And the only reason that it didn't get picked as a Summer Scares book last year is because we didn't know when the last book was coming out. And anybody who knows me knows I'm a completionist. And I was thinking, like, (laughs) I want to know when the last book comes out so we can promote not just this book, but the whole series. And book comes out September 1st. So timing is perfect. And I will say that I haven't read the second book yet. And I'm going to rely on the book description for this one because I need to sit down and read them all back to back to back. And I get to do that super soon, which I'm excited about. So Rose Moritz has always been a fixer, but lately she's been feeling lost. 
She has brand new powers she doesn't understand, and her family is trying to figure out how to function in the wake of her amnesiac father's return home. Then on the night of her death day party, Rose discovers her father's memory loss has been a lie. As she rushes to his side, the two are ambushed and pulled through a portal to the land of Ados, a fairy realm hidden in the Caribbean Sea. There, Rose is forced to work with a group of others to save Addis. Soon, she begins to discover the scope of her powers, the troubling truth about her father's past, and the sacrifices he's made to save her sisters. But if Rose wants to return home so she can repair her broken family, she must figure out how to heal Addis first. And that is Wayward Witch by Zoraida Cordova. I just, I love, their the Rujas is the way these sisters connect it's the story of these sisters so if you're looking for witchy reads this is a great series oh yes my next one is harrow lake by cat ellis this one just came out and i haven't picked it up yet so let's uh dig into the jacket copy real quick because it features one of my absolute favorite plot points uh, a famous relative uh and the child of said famous relative whatever mm-hmm. i love that trope uh and i'm such a sucker for it Things I know about Harrow Lake. One, it's where my father shot his most disturbing slasher film. Two, something's not quite right about this town. Lola Knox is the daughter of a celebrated horror filmmaker. She thinks nothing can scare her. When her father is brutally attacked in their New York apartment, she's quickly packed off to live with a grandmother she's never met in Harrow Lake, the eerie town where her father's most iconic horror movie was shot. The locals are weirdly obsessed with the film that put their town on the map, and there are strange disappearances, which please seem determined to explain away. And there's someone, or something, stalking her every move. The more Lola discovers about the town, the more terrifying it becomes, because Lola's got secrets of her own. And if she can't find a way out of Harrow Lake, they might just be the death of her. This sounds so good! I love so good. Uh, I love the famous parent who is messing things up for the kid stories. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> My next pick is another one I haven't read yet, and it's Category 5 by Anne Davila Cardinal. And so I'm just going to read the little description. It sounds awesome. After the hurricane, some see destruction and some smell blood. The tiny isle of VAKs, located just off the northeastern coast of the main island of Puerto Rico, is trying to recover after Hurricane Maria, but the already battered island is now half empty. To make matters worse, as on the main island, developers have come to buy up the land at a fraction of its worth, taking advantage of the island when it is down. Lupe, Javier, and Marisol are back to investigate a series of murders that follow in the wake of the hurricane and in the shadow of a new supernatural threat. Sounds so good. That is Category 5 by Anne Davila Cardinal. Let's see, my next one is uh, Blood Countess by Lana Popovic. Um, so fans who enjoy their retellings and stories inspired by real-life folks, like this one is definitely for you because it's a YA horror novel inspired by the real-life Countess Dracula, Elizabeth Bathory, <laughs> ugh, who bathed in the blood of the women she killed. Uh And what happens when you're a teen working for someone like that, maybe as a maid and trying to navigate that space? What happens when the Blood Countess suddenly becomes your BFF? Well, surprise, (laughs) it's a horror novel. Because because she's probably not really your BFF. And that is uh, Blood Countess by Lana Popovic. I saw the description of this one a long time ago. And when I saw it was Elizabeth Bathory, I was like, I need to read that one. I haven't gotten to it yet, but oh, I love the whole premise of it so much. And Lana's books are always so beautiful. Like, oh, 
she like has like this really lyrical writing style uh, and throwing that into a horror novel. Yes, please. My next pick is Bent Heavens by Daniel Krauss. And it's hard for me to believe this book came out this year because. Wait, really? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. This year has been 500 years long. Uh. But I blurbed this book and love to highlight it with horror whenever I can because it's. One of those alien books that's no way about aliens, it's about humans. And the story follows a girl named Liv, whose father went missing over two years ago after he had been claiming over and over again that he was being abducted by aliens. And so Liv has been operating under the belief that he's dead. And it doesn't mean that she still doesn't perform the rituals and traditions he did when he was still around. She and her best friend, Doug, still go out to the woods every week and check the alien traps that her father set up. He was so desperate to prove that aliens were after him, and this was his chance to prove that hypothesis. Liz is finally at the point, or Liv, rather, is finally at the point where she's fed up. Like, she can't keep this up. Except on the very day that she decides she's going to put an end to this ritual, she comes face-to-face with the creature in the trap. And suddenly, Liv believes her father. And now she and Doug have to decide whether to turn this creature they found into the authorities or take matters into their own hands. So this is a, a part alien story, part story about conspiracy theories, part story about the power of the media, part story about growing up without very much in rural Iowa, and part story about family. It's heartening as well as heartbreaking, and it features this main character who is unlikable and angry and violent, but also full of compassion and who's discovering her moral compass and wrestles with just this unbelievable amount of grief and frustration and takes it out through the only means that she can she can really do it. It's a complex and layered and nuanced book. And yes, it's an alien story, but that is just the premise. It's really not an alien story, except it 100% is an alien story. So anyone listening is like, what does that mean? You know what that means. That was Bent Heavens by Daniel Krauss, which did indeed come out this year. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, and I think that's it for me. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll mention a quick agent book, and that's uh, Surrender Your Sons by Ooh. Adam Sass, which comes out. I guess this, this episode airs next week. So, yeah, it comes out this month. Um, it's about a, a teen boy who is taken away to a conversion camp on an island. Uh, after coming out to his mother, and it's definitely in that thriller horror novel space. Uh, if you like books by Caleb Roig, who's one of our favorites here, uh, you'll probably like this one. And it's Surrender Your Sons by Adam Sass. And I wanted to hit one more before we sign off, and that is Vampires Never Get Old, edited by Natalie C. Parker and Zoraida Cordova, who has so many books out this year. I know. Oh, my God. This anthology comes out in September, and I can't remember the exact date, but soon if you're listening to this now. And it's a whole collection of new takes on vampire stories. It's got this bright pink cover, which defies anything you might think about vampires. And that alone, along with the stellar lineup of writers, makes me want to pick this up so badly. The little blip for it reads, In this delicious new collection, you'll find stories about lurking vampires of social media, rebellious vampires hungry for more than just blood, eager vampires coming out, 
and going out for the first kill, and other bold, breathtaking, dangerous, dreamy, eerie, iconic, powerful creatures of the night. Welcome to the evolution of the vampire and a revolution on the page. Man, that description is so good. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> the contributors in this collection include Samira Ahmed, Danielle Clayton, Zoraida Cordova, Natalie C. Parker, Tessa Gratton, Heidi Helig, Julie Martin, Marco Shiro, Rebecca Rowanhorst, Laura Ruby, Victoria Schwab, and Kayla Whaley, which is like knockout list of contributors. It really is. So that is Vampires Never Get Old, edited by Natalie C. Parker and Zoraida Cordova, and it comes out soon. I think that's it, right? Yeah, so many good books. So many. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, thank you everybody for tuning in this week. And we will mention this again next episode, but we're doing a live episode with Yahoo Fest. I think it's, what is it, September 14th? It's a Monday. Yeah. And we'll leave all the details for that next episode so you can tune in. You'll get to watch Eric and I from our private homes having a live KYA conversation. That said, please leave feedback about the show on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing and help other people find us. Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. And thanks as always to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. She makes us sound way better than we actually sound when we record. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Instagram as Hey Kelly Jensen. And you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. And we will talk to you all again in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.